Hello, and welcome to the G2 podcast. So, as you've heard, God chooses to partner with many people. And Abraham was one in particular. Between God and Abraham, there was a covenant. That's right, guys. We're getting started straight away. No story today. A binding partnership covenant. You might get one later. And that is what we're going to focus on today. And so this specific partnership between Abraham and God and the covenant that sealed it isn't just in isolation, nor is it just this interesting story from thousands of years ago. I don't want any of us to walk away from here being like, oh, that's a nice example of a relationship with God. No, it's our story. It's just as much our story as it is Abraham's. And it's a thread that is woven through the massive tapestry of God's story right to the stage. But my notes are over here. (laughs) Abraham's life is one chapter in God's big narrative. We're just as much a part of that as Abraham is. I have found, just a side note, the Bible Project online really helpful for understanding the books of the Bible as a unified whole. And I would really recommend it to you guys um, for further reading on this kind of thing. But today, we are going to trace the thread of partnership between God and humanity through the whole story of the Bible. Do you remember, you were around for Luke's talk a few weeks ago where he talked about the five acts of scripture. People are looking a little bit blank, but Annabelle was here. It was just Annabelle and Toby. Great. So, so essentially, Luke talked about how we can see the whole of the Bible as a story, as God's story in five acts. We have the first four acts in the Bible, and then we have the very beginning and the very end of Act 5. So um, the very beginning of Act 5 is the church, and then the very end is what we see in, in Revelation. Um, he talked about how it's a little bit like a long-lost Shakespeare play with a bit missing. So you've got all the characters, all the context, all the story, and then we can see the very end of where it's going. So we know where the story is heading, where the play finishes, but actually there's this bit in the middle which isn't in the script all the way back here. So there's this bit which is missing. And so what would we actually do with that play? How would we know how to fill in this bit? And what would happen is is that you'd get all the best um, actors who knew Shakespeare inside out and they would learn all of this stuff off by heart. They would commit all the characters and the context and then they would improvise when it got to that missing part of the script to get them to that ending, wouldn't they? So... Let's have a little reminder. In the Bible, the first act is of creation. A good God creates a good world and humans who are his masterpiece. Act two is the fall. So humans rebel and turn away from God. Act three is Israel, where God chooses a specific family through Abraham, who we're going to talk to talk about today, not to him. Um, we're going to, that would be sinister. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Abraham today. So God chooses a specific people and they, they become the nation of Israel. Then you get into act four with this cross, which is going to get tripped over probably. And that's when Jesus comes in, and that's God made man. Then you go into Act 5, which is this birth of the church, the start of the new creation, which is then fulfilled, let's say it's up here, in Revelation, the new creation fully coming, fully renewed, and, um, and the end of time. That's the vision that we see right at the end of the Bible. So that's a little reminder. Did anyone spot the thread of partnership throughout that? Is my talk done? 
No, I didn't think so. So, <laughs> let's start again. So, God the creator creates all of creation. And it's all good, and it's all full of potential. And he creates humans, us, these unique creatures to partner with him in drawing out and building on all of that goodness and all of that potential. He wants us to be creative and bring justice and peace and mercy in all the amazing ways that God originally created us to be. But humans don't want to partner with God. They want to be God. That's the fall. So they break that partnership. And this is the way that the Bible understands and explains why we're in this world that's full of corruption and brokenness and death and injustice. So God chooses one family out of the many through Abraham, and he promises to bless that family and through that family to bless all families. So he's choosing the few out of the many. Then comes Jesus when God fully renews that partnership with all of the nations. And then we see that culminating in Act 5. But we're going to pause in Act 3. I would speak to you from that there, but it's a long way away, so we'll stay up here. There are four times in the Old Testament when we're told that God initiates a specific type of partnership with humanity, which is called a covenant a covenant, that's what we're looking at today. And in a covenant, God makes promises and in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. That's meant to be like a handshake. So what does he do? So God, God makes certain promises. Come on. So in a covenant, God makes certain and asks his partner in exchange to fulfill certain commitments. Jason. We're going to do it again because of Jason. I'm sorry. In a covenant, God makes certain, and in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain. Yes. So a covenant is like a sealed partnership, and Abraham has a covenant with God. But there are four other times, and for all in the Old Testament, there are four times in the Old Testament where God initiates a covenant relationship with humanity. Does anyone know when those are? Go on, have a guess. Switch that off, Ellie. Keep it off. Did anyone read quickly? Yeah. Well done. <laughs> End of that quiz. So first off, at the end of Act 2, you've got the covenant with Noah. That's the end of here. Then you've got going into Act 3, just at the beginning, you've got the covenant with Abraham. Then right in the middle of Act 3, you've got the covenant with Israel. And then you've got, at the end of Act 3, you've got the covenant with King David. Let's have a little look. Because in order to understand the covenant with Abraham, we need to understand covenants generally, right? So first one is Noah. So in the story of Noah, it's in Genesis uh, 8 and 9. We're kind of between Act 2 and 3, and humanity has fallen. Remember that, we're in that Act 2. And God has brought a flood to cleanse the world of all of humanity's corruption. And Noah and his family, through building and sailing in the ark, giant boat, they're all saved, and they're the only ones who are left. And so God makes a covenant with Noah, and he says, listen, I know that humans will continue to be evil, but um, I'm not going to destroy it like this again. 
Instead, I'm going to make the world this reliable place for us to work together, for us to be in partnership. So that's what God's promise is in this first covenant. It's to be faithful, even though he knows that humans won't be. The first covenant is sealed and represented by a rainbow. And God says, look at that rainbow in the sky and remember that partnership. So I really wanted something that you guys would be able to then go, oh, yeah, how can I remember that covenant with Noah? Hang on a second. Hang on. Talk amongst yourselves. Don't worry about it. Come on. Don't worry about it. So the first covenant is with Noah. I know it's not an ark, but it'll have to do. You'll remember it now, won't you? Imagine if I sat in it. Not going to. First covenant is with Noah. So the next time we see God make a covenant is at the very beginning of Act 3, which I now can't get to, with a man named Abram, later named Abraham, um, who we heard about from Jamie last week. So if you want more context, do go back and listen to Jamie's talk. God chooses Abraham and promises to bless him. He says to Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 2, I will make you, Abraham, into a great nation, the nation of Israel. And I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the promise that God makes on his side of the partnership. And on Abraham's side, God asks him to trust him and to train up his family to do what is right and just. And so Act 3 begins with this partnership between God and the family of Abraham, which then becomes the tribe of Israel. And the purpose of this covenant is that God says he's going to bring that blessing to all families of the world through the one. So let's zoom in on Abraham, since that's what we're talking about today. You want, I would turn with me, guys, if you've got your Bibles, to Genesis. As we linger here for a second, we're just going to pick out a few bits from chapter 13 and 15. So right at the beginning of the Bible. So chapter 13, verse 15. God says to Abram, and this is the first of a series of promises which kind of form the covenant. So first off, he says, all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted as numerous as the dust of the earth. But later on, Abram's like, but my wife and I are infertile. Like, we can't have children, so how are you going to build this family through me? And so in chapter 15, if you want to skip forward a few pages, verse 5, God takes Abram outside and says, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believes God that despite it being impossible, God will build a family and a home through him. 
Now, this isn't just a, a promise, a bit like we were talking about promises over, like, oh, earlier, it's like, oh, I'll see what I can do. God seals this as a covenant with Abraham. So to do so, God instructs Abraham, but later on in, verse, uh, in chapter 15, um, to follow a covenant-making custom of the time. So verse 9, the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to him, these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. Now, back in the day, thousands of years ago, what would happen between two people making a covenant at the time, or like making a contract with each other, is that they would bring their, their most valuable possessions, which were often animals. And they would sacrifice them as like their stake in the contract, their, their buy-in into the covenant. And they would cut them in half, like Abraham does, and place both halves of the animal apart. Pretty gory. And they would walk between the pieces, and they would meet in the middle. And that was to signify that if I break my commitment, if I break this covenant with you, then I will be like these animals. I can be cut up. Because actually, this is an unbreakable commitment. So this is like... Not just like a casual promise, but this is like a real life or death decision. Let's see what happens next in verse 12. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And then the Lord speaks to him about the future of his family. There's this amazing moment where you get like a flash forward to see what happens to his family and to the nation of Israel. Skip to verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. So that blazing torch, that fire, is the physical presence of God. It's what we call a theophany. Um, and we see that in um, other times when God appears physically on earth in the Old Testament. So in Exodus, in the burning bush, if you remember that, or in the pillar of fire as well, often he appears in fire. So it's the physical presence of God passing between the pieces of the animals. But what, guys, is missing from this ancient covenant-making custom? Anyone know? Anyone spotted it? Spot what's missing. Go on, shout out. Someone say it. Well, yes. So Abraham doesn't walk between the pieces. It's just God. So God is the only one who moves between the pieces, but he sends Abraham into this deep sleep to stop him moving between the pieces because God knows that Abraham cannot keep that side of the promise. He knows what humanity is like. But God wants that commitment from Abraham, but wants to take the consequences of making such a commitment on himself. So that's why Abraham falls asleep. So both partners are supposed to walk between them. And that is so like what we see in Act 4 in Jesus, isn't it? Is that he takes the consequences of that promise and that commitment. He takes the consequence of humanity breaking their side of the relationship. So that is covenant number two of four in the Old Testament, which is between God and Abraham. So we have the boat to symbolize, well, it's a canoe, to symbolize the covenant with Noah. What could we use as a symbol of the covenant with Abraham? Did think about bringing some animals. 
but I thought less so. The way that they seal a covenant uh, with Abraham is through circumcision, and I haven't got anything to symbolize that. So you'll have to make do with something else. Let's have a look. Let's see what we've got in this cupboard. Oh, look. It's a bucket of sand to represent the dust of the earth, like the number of offspring that you couldn't count. It is actually sand, and I put way too much in it, actually. There you go, Toby. Here's some real-life sand for you. There you go. Thanks very much. So that's covenant number two. Covenant number three is with Israel. So they are the descendants of Abraham who become an entire people. And this covenant is with the whole tribe, so it's got a bit bigger now. Uh, and God asks them to obey a set of laws, which include the Ten Commandments. Kat, have you, do you happen to have a representation of the Ten Commandments for me? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, Kat Bovington always prepared, everyone. Look at that. So God asks them. They wrote on tablets of stone, not on chopping boards. I'm sorry. But do you know what? It'll do, won't it? So the Ten Commandments, um, and he asks them to obey those laws. And in um, return, he says that you will be my representatives to the whole world, that you will be like the, the priesthood to all of the nations. Next covenant, number four, right at the end of act number three, is with King David. The tribe of Israel has become a, a nation now. Um, and God asks David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel and obeying his laws and doing what is just and right. And God promises that one day, on the other side, uh, that one of David's sons will come and rule and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. Does anyone have a crown that could represent King David? Oh my days, look at that. It's rather large. There you go. In the line of David. There you go. There you go, there's all the covenants. So they are the four covenants of the Old Testament where God makes that stamped and sealed partnership with humanity. Now, Here's what happens at the end of all these covenants, is that Israel breaks the covenants. They worship other gods. They allow horrible injustice. And so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. And it all seems hopeless at that point at the end of Act 3. But at this time, Israel's prophets, who were like messengers from God, talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure. And this was called the new covenant. And that's when we step into Act 4, the New Testament, when Jesus arrives. And he is talk talked about as the one who fills all of these covenant relationships. So he's talked about as the saviour and the sustainer of all life. Oh, my life. He is talked about as in the line and the family of Abraham and being a true Israelite. He's talked, as being, talked about as being faithful and fulfilling the law. He is talked about as being a, uh, the son of David and in the line of David and as the ruler who will bring peace and justice to all nations. Jesus fulfills all of that. How does he do that? It's because... Um, He's both fully human and fully God. So he 
God becomes human and comes to earth in order to be that faithful covenant partner on behalf of humanity that we're all made to be, but we have failed to be. And so through Jesus, God has opened up a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. He fulfills the commitments and he delivers on the promises. He does both sides of the deal. The covenants are fulfilled in Act 4. His promises are yes and amen. And this is our story right over there in Act 5. Jesus calls us to follow him and to become part of his new covenant family. And our failures don't break off that partnership. Despite our failures, Jesus is committed to making us into partners who are becoming more and more faithful. And the Bible ends with this vision of a fully renewed creation and a fully renewed humanity who are in partnership with God, bringing about his goodness to all things, building upon his goodness, just like he intended at the very start. So what's the point of us learning about covenant? I have the immense privilege of being married and even more so of being married to Ben. And when we first started considering whether we should get married and whether that was our future, I remember reading the marriage vows and thinking, whoa, I actually have to lay my life down for this guy. And there are actual mushrooms growing in the walls of his student house bathroom. (laughs) Marriage is one of the most visible examples and, and current examples of covenant relationship in our own society. That partnership in which ideally unbreakable promises are made and commitments fulfilled. So I couldn't walk down the aisle and then just say some of the vows or opt out of in sickness and in health. Marriage, as it's intended, is death do us part. You can't half do it or partly commit or sit on the fence. And we are invited freely to be in covenant relationship with God, the church, us, we are Jesus's bride. And I wonder if we give the same commitment to God as we would in marriage. I wonder if we understand our relationship with him to be that kind of covenant relationship. I wonder if we truly believe that he keeps his promises. You can't half do a covenant relationship. Now, this isn't to make us feel guilty because Jesus has fulfilled it all for us so that we can be free and know the grace of not needing to be perfect to be in partnership with God. But you can't sit on the fence in relationship with God because there is no fence. You're either in the covenant relationship or you're not. And for some of us, it's time to step fully into that partnership with God. Some of us have shrunk back from partnering with him in our lives and we've hidden parts of our lives from him. And for some of us, it's stepping into that partnership for the first time today. Wherever you find yourself, would you all stand with me? If you want to renew that partnership with God today, let's pray before we worship together.